live from a very quiet hallway at the AC Second Building in the middle of the summer. It's live from AC Second. We're back. We're here. I've been podcasting all summer, Chris. Sort of. I've been posting podcasts all summer, but you've got the little intros there. I've been listening. To yeah, that. this is us. This is us, like back and better than ever, back and uh, live. We're tan. A little bit, yeah. A little tan. Yeah, yeah. You've For, been traveling some. I've I've been to the Middle East and back. And by Middle East, I mean Michigan and Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> that works. It's not the Midwest, so the Mideast. That works. There we go. Yeah, yeah. right. Um, so what do we do it today, Chris? Well, first of all, let's pour one out for our absent colleague, Mitch Crum. That's right. Who is... For uh, good reasons. For good reasons. I think we can break this in the podcast. It's public knowledge now. I think so. I think he talks about it actually on the pod we're going to be referring to today. Uh, Mitch is just days away from becoming a dad. And we thought it was really uh, kind of Bush League of us to make him come in and review his picks from back in April for summer movies, which we're going to do now without him. That's so. right. So, so if you remember, and actually I would say if you haven't listened to the show, is it it's late April? I can't remember what yeah, the date was. Yeah, it's April 28th. Yeah, like um, we, we went through and did sort of a summer movie preview where we... We guessed uh, over unders on Rotten Tomatoes scores, and boy was it rough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we did we did sixteen movies. Thirteen of those movies now have Rotten Tomatoes scores. Now we'll say what we're going to talk about today is a snapshot in time because these shift. Even ones from early yes. in the summer have shifted in the last month or so. So has that changed any outcomes? Uh, it changed one in your favor. We'll talk about that when we get okay, to it. So sure. yes, all right. Um, so, so what we did is I set over unders for these sixteen movies, and I did it on the fly. There was no research involved here, right? And then you and Mitch um, sort of gave where you thought it was going to go relative to the number I put up there. So we want to review that and kind of can't introduce one other character into this whole thing. Absolutely. So my former TA and, and my former TA and good friend and now Austin Texasite, uh, Tex- uh, Austin Texan. Texan. <laughs> there we go, Eric Magnuson. Uh, also uh, chimed in afterwards with his own predictions uh, of, 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 of Rotten Tomatoes scores. And so we've got his to match up against Sam's. So, And that occurred before these movies came out, too. So we've yes. got a little bit of a control yep. variable. And I will here. say Eric knows a lot more about movies than any of us. This is the guy who reads The Hollywood Reporter. Yeah, yeah. Thing. So yeah. I think back in uh, 2011, spring of 2011, he did an Oscar preview for, uh, for my old CWC The Radio Show podcast. So... If you go deep into the catalog, does there. he still hold the record for uh, long for TA hours or something? No, he's second. Oh. Yeah, he's, he's second on that. Who passed him? Uh, Carly Evenson and Ben Umhofer together both passed him. Okay, so, yeah, but he's 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 on the Mount Rushmore of of my TAs for sure. There you go. Yeah, nice. All right, so should we do a little uh, summer movie review first off? Uh, before we get to yeah. the Rotten Tomato scores, um, have you been to the theater? Been to the cinema at all this summer, Chris? So more than I would have expected. Really? I now have a five-year-old and a two-year-old, and if you want to stop seeing movies, I recommend having, having small children. children. <laughs> this is the year where we've kind of my wife and I have kind of gotten back into the theater a little bit. I should mention that I grew up in a small town area where going to the theater was kind of a big deal. So. Anytime I hit the theater multiple times in the summer, it feels pretty good to yeah. me. And you, you generally a fan of the theater going experience? Yes. I love it. Yeah. I would see, there's so many movies I would never watch where if, if you said, hey, do you want to go to a theater and watch it? I would be totally in. I love sitting in a movie theater in the, in the little too air conditioned, a little too salty popcorn. I'm yep. great. It's, yep. it's awesome. But it has to be, I wouldn't, because there's still that sort of barrier to jump over of it can't be a movie I'm not interested in seeing for me. It needs to be a movie. Like, going to the theater will amp up the experience, amp up my hype for it. But it it needs to be something. I name want to a see mo- first. N- name a movie that you don't think I would go to a theater to see. The Nut Job Two. <laughs> I, I mean, I have no interest in it. But mm-hmm. if you told me, "Hey, I'm going to go to this," I would be totally in. That's good to know because I have four free passes. The Nut Job. There we two. go. <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> All right, um, let's go back to the top here. Let's take a look at some of the movies that. I want to hear what you saw this summer. Though. Okay, yeah, yeah. It's not a huge list, okay. and it's it's well, much like summer movies, it's superhero centric. So with you, like like we talked about on the podcast, uh, we went to see Guardians of the Galaxy two, mm-hmm. which was trippier than I mm-hmm. expected. And we'll talk about that when we get yep. to there. Yep. And with my wife, I've seen. Um, Wonder Woman, mm-hmm. and oh gosh, we saw something else. Spider Man. I saw Spider Man with some friends. Okay, so yeah. Okay, but I, I feel like I've seen something else. Tim, look at the list here real quick. Um, 
That might be it. As far as I know, those are the three that movies you saw this summer. Yep. So, so I, I, along with you, saw Guardians of the Galaxy. I saw Wonder Woman with my wife and my son. Mm-hmm. And then my wife and I saw The Big Six. So those are my three movies. Okay. And we have Dunkirk planned for this weekend, maybe? I think okay. we're hoping, well, maybe Saturday or, or early next week we'll be going to Dunkirk. So I'd like to see Dunkirk, too. Was The Big Six even on our list back in April? No, I actually have a list of movies that we... We didn't put on our list that, in hindsight, would have made we sense to put on that. Yes. yes, and some of them we just weren't aware of. So, yep. so let's go to the list. Okay, uh, Chris, the first movie that we talked about, and we've already brought it up here, was Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. Now, both of us saw this movie, so yes. just to get some context here, uh, I set the over under at eighty one, which was about nine to ten points lower than Guardians of the Galaxy One, mm-hmm. and both you and Mitchell took the over. Yes. Now. Uh, Eric Magnuson also went with over. He put the number at eighty-eight. Right uh, now, this this is the this is the movie that has shifted in the last few weeks. So I don't. Apparently, people are still putting out. Uh, critics are still putting out reviews for this because Who's bringing a review of Guardians of, Ga- Guardians of the Galaxy now. I don't know, but but uh, when I looked at this about a month ago, it w- the the Rotten Tomato score was at eighty-one. So you nailed. it. I nailed it. Nice. Now it's up to eighty-two. So you guys actually get uh, your overs on that, thank which you. I feel is a little cheap because, like, I have, I have a confession to make. What's that? Mitch and I've been running reviews. <laughs> there you go. You, you are you are like uh, you are high end critics secretly. Yeah, secretly. How we, many we, critics are you, Chris? I'm like six. He's ten. Okay. <laughs> Enough to tip the we scales just one the scales. point. Yep. <laughs> All right. So, um, what were your thoughts on Guardians of the Galaxy? I think 82 is kind of about right. It it certainly wasn't nearly as original as the first Guardians of the Galaxy. Parts of it definitely felt retreaded, specifically the relationships amongst the characters, sort of this uh, um, nobody hits my sister but me kind of thing, mm-hmm. uh, that you know familial uh, bond and yet aggravation thing I thought was kind of washed out a little bit. But I... As I, especially as I further move away from it, I kind of liked uh, Kirk Russell, mm-hmm. and I kind of liked the the super weird, uh, the super weird kind of villain and the kind of the position that put them in, and it was way over the top. And I think that's the right tone for this. We said back in the podcast, or I said back in the podcast, that I'd be worried if this movie was too twee. It certainly wasn't. Mm-hmm. Other than I could have done with even less Baby Groot, mm-hmm. but it also wasn't like a major. It wasn't a bunch of major big space battles, which is the nope. other thing we were concerned about. So they right. actually threaded the needle on that yep, um, sure pretty did. well. I I liked the first movie better. Yep. Um, I I enjoyed this a lot. I, I we'll we'll probably get to this with a couple other movies as well. By the time it got to the end, I didn't necessarily love all of that, but but it was it was a good it was a good time with the movies. Now, there's something weird about Rotten Tomato scores because you said, you know, an, an 81 82 sounds about right, mm-hmm. which is weird because no person is giving this an 82, right? It's yes. it's this it's it's a thumbs up thumbs down, but mm-hmm. it's 82% of top People. critics have said that. So four, so, to, four to five critics agree. Right, right. Colgate's the right toothpaste. Right, right. I have a question about this, too. Yeah. And this is, I don't, if, if you don't like stats, fast forward about two minutes on this. Mm-hmm. But are, Medic- are, are Rotten Tomatoes scores a normal distribution? Uh, tell me what you mean by that. So are there about as, uh, do, do movies cluster at the 50% mark? So lots of, there are lots of movies where half the critics love them, half the critics hate them, or Probably not, right? There's probably it's probably bimodal in distribution, meaning that there's a lot of movies that a lot of critics really like, and a lot of movies that a lot of critics really don't like. Yeah, with yeah. With very few. Well, right in the actually, I, I actually wonder. I mean, it's it's definitely not a bell curve. It's definitely not like most of them are right. around fifty. So a bell curve is a normal distribution, right? Right. So it's definitely not that. I wonder if it's almost. I wonder how flat it is. Where oh. it's where it's where it's not it's not um, bimodal, but if but what would you call just a flat distribution? Well, there wouldn't be distribution. I mean, just but well, still be distributed over yeah, like an even distribution. Yeah, yeah, even distribution. I wonder if it's closer to that. Really, I don't know. I mean, I, I really uh, it would be interesting to to pull the like to pull the data on you know uh, two years, three years worth of movies to sort of see that, and also to look at seasons and see what that's mm-hmm. like too. Like, I presume in Oscar season, it's the distribution's a little The score different. runs higher. Yeah, and then the summer you might get a little bit wider range because they're trying to hit different audiences, things like that. Unless the season becomes something itself and we look for something different in the summer than we do in Oscar season. Sure, certainly, certainly, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I just I just don't know. It seemed to me that a lot of the movies this particular summer were higher than I expected. Yeah, and, or well, and, and that's be- really low. It's because, like I said, it's it's the nature of what Rotten Tomatoes is asking. They're not asking what do you give this out of out of ten or out of a hundred. Right. They're saying is this up or down? So it could be just barely up. But if everybody thought it was just barely up, it could be in the nineties. Yes, exactly. So like, not all nineties are the same. Exactly. Some are emphatic nineties. Some are. Yeah, it was, it was it was good enough. So are you okay with Rotten Tomatoes methodology then? I'm fine with it for what it is. Like I just think we need to make sure we know what it means. Right. As long as we know what it means, I think it's actually helpful to say 90% of critics said, "Yeah, this is better than bad." Yep, exactly. Mm-hmm. And 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 it's in truth in truth it kind of works out though. Like if there's a, a rot, have you seen many Rotten Tomatoes movies or movies with Rotten Tomatoes scores in the 90s where you saw it and thought, "I don't understand why." this is getting that score well i want to talk about two movies that both scored the 90s on our list and see if we feel like there's a difference between the two okay we're almost there okay. we'll probably have to visit this in the next podcast okay um I, I will say um one example where i feel like this is a little a little interesting is and this isn't about movies rotten tomatoes also does tv and i mm-hmm. think the last i checked the twin peaks the return and i'm not going to go on a twin peaks rant here i really want you to at some point nobody's watching it or nobody i know is watching it it's like at 99 now, did you know it was at 99? No, no idea. Based on what I've told you about my experience as a fan of Twin Peaks watching this, um, would, does that surprise you can that I, it's at 99? Okay, put your number in your head. I'm going to guess. Based on, you haven't told me a number, so I'm going to guess your number based on what you've told me about this series. Okay? Okay. You got it? Yep. 45. I, 35 was mine. So, Ooh, yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In terms of, like, my experience of it, yeah. yeah like it's, you kind of hated it. Yeah, I love I love Twin Peaks. I have a complicated relationship with David Lynch. Um, <laughs> it makes it sound like you mowed his lawn for a while and he didn't pay you. Right. Well, actually, I actually think I would like him as a person. Okay. I find him to be I, – like, what I know about him, I find to be very interesting. Um, and, and, and interesting in ways that I, I think actually – I don't know if you know much about, like, the David Lynch Foundation and stuff. Like, Not even a little bit. Okay. Well, we don't, this doesn't need to be a David Lynch pod either, but, like <laughs> – like um, wait, wait, but I have to know though. What is David Lynch Foundation? Well, he's he's big into transcendental meditation. So that does put, not surprise me. Put aside what you think about that. He, the David Lynch Foundation helps people to um, get involved. That in especially helps kids in like um, like inner city schools use that as a way to kind of um, bring some centering to their life mm-hmm. to, to deal with pretty traumatic things in their life. So like that's a that's a regards what you think about meditation and those types of things like that's a pretty noble interesting thing to do yeah um so like so i actually think i'd find him pretty fascinating and some of the things he's done i've really liked some of them some of the things i've done he's done i've really hated this tends more to just even within the world of twin peaks i love the show twin peaks mm-hmm. um fire walk with me the movie i kind of hated hardcore hated okay um and this show is i don't i don't love like i still watch it religiously I find it unbelievably tedious, and I the critics that I that I really pay attention to, Andy Greenwald especially, and Chris Ryan, love it, mm-hmm. and and like and I love them. <laughs> I mean, if I knew them, they would be my best friends. Like I love these guys, <laughs> the, but like I just I'm not. It's like what they're talking about is not like it's like I'm watching the wrong show. Right. From I I'm not having experience or having. But what surprises me is not that it has a high score, but that it has this sort of unanimous 99% would lead you to think that this is like the Godfather or something. Sure. And it's like I wonder how much of that is the phenomena that you and I we talked about at lunch today which is sort of groupthink almost like right. like everybody else is on board with this so I am too and how much of that is like I'm willing to tip this a thumbs up. You know, maybe right. just barely, but if you get enough of that, all of a sudden it it becomes this almost self fulfilling prophecy about how you continue to think about it. Right. So and I don't know though. I mean, maybe everybody really loves it, and and that's cool. Like I don't need to love everything that mm-hmm. that that everybody else loves, but I, I'm this has been a big struggle for me this summer. Yeah, I I was telling Sam at lunch. I saw a concert this uh, couple this last weekend, and. It was a. I don't want to. I don't want to sing like that. It was a performer where everybody says that everybody loves that performer. And as I and as I'm watching everybody at this concert, everyone's cheering and politely clapping at the end of songs. But during the songs, people are checked out. People are looking at their phones. People are other places. But it was one of those kinds of performers where it seemed more. It was more important to acknowledge to the group that you liked that performer than it was to actually enjoy it 
yourself in the time. Now, is this is this a performer that you have had experience with in the past? Just at the album level, but not, d- that not you were a fan of, though. Like, yeah. Okay. Yep. And I, is there a reason you're not naming said performer? Not really. Okay, it's Bonavere. Okay. I went to a Bonavere concert, and I loved it. It was really fun. But it seemed like we it was. I can't. I, I'm a kind of person who is easily swayed by popular opinion. So if, ever, if everyone tells me that Bon Iver is critically acclaimed and beloved, and I should beloved him too, I kind of will. I'll talk myself into it. I'm pretty sure I liked it. Like I'm pretty sure that it wasn't just me kidding myself. But a lot of people seem pretty checked out when they themselves would have also said it was amazing and awesome. Because hmm. I was checked out too. Because sure. I was watching them be checked out. Sure. Sure. Huh. Well, let's come back to this as we talk about some of these movies, because I think we might this this theme might pop up a few other times. Okay, here. All right. So, we get so Guardians of the Galaxy. So you um, each got a point for got that. A point. The next movie was King Arthur. This is the Guy Ritchie King Arthur. Yep. Um, we were. Uh, I, I just remember like it was just about to come out. I had seen ads for it. We didn't know anybody who was in it. I put the number at forty-seven. You went under. Mitch went over, and the score was twenty-eight. Feeling really good about my under there. Yeah, yeah. So it was it was it was way under. So I was off by nineteen on that one. Um, uh, Eric Magnuson. What put was it at Guy, Guy Ritchie's last hit? <sighs> Guy Ritchie snatch a hit was for me. I love that movie. Okay, I I I don't really have a lot of. I saw Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. But Snatch was what fifteen years ago, maybe more, maybe more. Ah, probably fifteen is about right. Yeah. So this is uh, this is Guy on the Schneid a little. Okay, bit. you gonna name some more Guy Ritchie movies? Even like I can't. I'm. I just named the two that I can. Okay, think there we of, go. So, yeah. <laughs> That's the problem. All right. Um, did he make a movie with Madonna at some point? When they Almost were certainly. Okay. Yep. Um, and then we had uh, Alien Covenant was next. Uh huh. So I said seventy five, and you both went under. Now you guys went kind of big under. You you thought my seventy five was was way off. So this is one where you're both right, but I still think I'm kind of right because the score is seventy one. Right. So I was in the right idea. So basically, that scored the same as Prometheus scored. And my and actually, up until a few weeks ago, it was I think at seventy two or seventy three. So it was above Prometheus, which was really what my prediction was: was that sure. it was going to. I thought it'd be a little bit bigger bounce back, but um, this is uh, I, I don't know. Our our experiences are idiosyncratic and subjective, but I felt like this flew to the radar compared to Prometheus. I felt like I heard lots about Prometheus. Sure, no, absolutely, only a little bit about Covenant. Right, but I thought that's why it might actually... But see, the critics are going to watch it no matter what. That's actually the interesting thing um, when you look at Rotten Tomatoes is you get the critic score and you get the fan score. And the fan score is often higher than the critic score, right. especially on movies that have lower ratings. But that's because if you're not interested in the movie, you're likely not going to see it and likely not rating it. Correct. You know, so, so the fan I've score should be higher. I've none of the Saw movies. Right, <laughs> right. You haven't, you haven't voiced an opinion on those. So there's, both, a new, there's another one coming out, though. Is there really? It's called Jigsaw. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. I think it's an origin story. That's what we need. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> All right. Uh, now, the next was the was one that I had a I had a strong opinion on. And, again, mm-hmm. I'm going to say this is for no reason. Okay. But I saw – basically, I saw the poster for Baywatch. Yes. And I saw that uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson was the star, and he usually – You mean future president Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Perhaps, yes. Yeah. Um, former Hurricane Dwayne The Rock Johnson. He played at the U, I think, didn't he? Yes, he did. All right. It took me a minute to remember that and not think you were talking about a hurricane named after like Hurricane Dwayne. Um, I saw the poster for this and I thought, you know what? This feels like like Twenty One Jump Street. So I went, mm-hmm. I went uh, north of fresh on this and put it at seventy, thinking I could maybe tempt you. Uh, tempt you into this. Um, turns out this was not a Lord and Miller production. Nope, uh, and it was not good. Apparently, apparently not. Because this was a this was a real low score. So you you both went under wisely under on that. Now, and, now to uh, be fair here, not only were you way off on your over under, uh, but also Eric was way off too. Yeah, he 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 went under me. He put it right at the fresh line. So he put it at sixty, which I say is always kind of a safe bet. Yeah, score when you when you put it there, and uh, and it, it scored in nineteen. <laughs> so this was one of the early sort of just big bombs of the summer. Right. I don't know how much people beyond me thought. Oh, this might be something. Uh, maybe maybe nobody thought that, but um, but that's one of the that's one of the lower scores we've seen this summer on a movie. Uh, yeah, nineteen is, is rough. 19. Um, the next one is one that I'm very proud of. Okay. Uh, the next one was Pirates of the Caribbean: Dead Men Tell No Tales, and we actually did. We actually figured this out. This is the fifth movie yes. in the series, <laughs> and we we talked a lot about this one. So, make the case. Do you remember why did you think? So, I put the number at forty-five, thinking this is going to be terrible. Both you and Mitch went over. Eric put it at seventy-seven. So, tell me why you said over. I think I had some bad information on this. Now, 
Isn't Pirates of the Caribbean enough? <laughs> no. So remember, I, th- I think I said during the podcast that Orlando Bloom was back, uh-huh. Kieran Knightley was back, and that's not true. They were not in this movie, or they were cameos in this movie at most. They okay. were not major players. So uh, this really was yet another Johnny Depp vehicle in an attempt to, uh, I don't know, to pay off his back taxes or something. But like you got that. Bardem, right? I did get Bardem. Remember his great nose you were talking I about? Talk about the great Doesn't nose. make a bad movie? You know what? I think somebody in the room said, until he does. Until he does. Did he yeah. make a bad movie, he Chris? Made a, he made a bad movie. Yeah, this is a 29 yeah, that's so it was hard under both you and Mitch went over. I think they they just need to be done, right? With these, did these make money still? Yeah, I think they do. I don't okay. know if they make money enough money because they're a big production. Sure, a lot of CGI. I don't know how exp- I mean, they gotta be expensive. Yeah, I, I just I see these and I just I have no. I don't even want to get to the end of the ad. I want you know like like that's that that's <laughs> you sort see of how the first bad. ten seconds. Yeah, I'm good. No, honestly, like like because you hear the music and you're like. Wait a minute. This feels like oh, a pirates no. thing. It's, it's like pirates. can I can I do something else so I don't have to watch this? Can I can I can I offer it some backhanded praise? Sure. It is the best series based upon a Disney ride. Cuz do you remember that uh, Eddie Murphy did Haunted the Haunted House and they did Tomorrowland or that's not a ride I guess no, that's, a, but, that's an area within Disneyland right so yeah but get, compared to Haunted Mansion this is the best movie series based on a ride until the Flume movie comes out because <laughs> that'll be great and now we have our second Bon Iver name uh, reference that's so. right there we go good alright uh, I didn't even know what you're talking about uh, one of his songs is called Flume oh wow look yeah. at that so I'm making references okay now we're to one of the big one of the big hits of the summer that yeah, we, you and I have this. both seen. We want to talk about this a little bit. Um, so we went into the summer with Wonder Woman on the mm-hmm. agenda uh, for June. Uh, we're really unsure what to do with this because the DC movies have been bad. Yeah. The Zack Snyder DC movies have been bad. Mm-hmm. Now, this isn't Zack Snyder, direct, Snyder directed, but it is within under his umbrella. Yep, and he, produ- he was a producer. Yeah. Um, so I put it at 65, which is just above And Eric fresh. put it at 66. Yep. Uh, both you and Mitch went over. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was a big miss because this was one of the big hits of the early summer. This was huge. This was a 92. 92. Um, you saw Wonder Woman? I did. I saw Wonder Woman? Yep. Let's talk about it. Okay. I, early on, uh, compared it to, I, I, I suggested it might compare favorably to Agent Carter, which is this TV mm-hmm. series that's in the Marvel Universe. I compared it to Samuel L. Jackson's Coach Carter, but... I didn't really. No. <laughs> <laughs> when you said Agent Carter, that's what I thought. I compared of. it to Jimmy Carter. No, uh, and in in some ways, the first, like the middle third of the movie, kind of is like Agent Carter. You know, it's this woman in a man's world trying to convince men to take her seriously in sort of a militaristic or wartime kind of thing. To, to give us some context, yeah. is that praise or not? I don't know. Yes. Okay. I liked Agent Carter. Okay. And I thought it was dead before its time. And I, okay. I liked the middle third of this movie. I, liked the, uh, I think this is where you and I are going to differ. I liked the first part of this movie when um, uh, Diana is growing up on the island. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm cool with that, too. I thought it was fine. I thought it was... As it, origin stories go. Yeah. Yeah, because it was quick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and and they, they, they realized that the movie isn't the origin story that this first third of this is going to be. And even that is... I guess they, they they sort of get to all of it. It's um, it it it, it towed a line of being silly. I yeah. feel like yeah. that that first part. It, it probably didn't cross it, but I kept feeling like this is like five words away from being silly. Okay, just the I don't know if it was the the way the dialogue was written and the way it was delivered or something like something about that. I just I feel like it was almost you didn't it, like Claire Underwood in a fur ruff kicking butt. No, I, I mean it was. It, it's not that I think that 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 the island or the story is silly. It just something about the way that they, something about the performance of it seemed stiff. Okay, and okay. and uh, that melted away mm-hmm. when they got off the island. Yes. So 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 I I'm fine with the first third. If the whole movie was like the first third, it, it wouldn't have been as good. It got kind of great in the middle. Yeah. Uh, Gal Gadot, is that how you say her name? Uh, yeah. Surprised me. I mean, Chris Gadot, actually. Gadot? Yeah. Okay. Um, I liked her as an actress. I thought she was going to be kind of stiff and wooden and, dare I say, Zack Snyder Superman-like. Mm-hmm. Um, and no, there was more personality there. There was more Really energy. good casting, I thought, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was fun. And she, you know. And she, she played a fish out of water pretty well, yep. you know? Yeah. Yep, exactly. Chris Pine was good. Mm-hmm. 
Um, it was good that he was the uh, the the dude in distress. Mm-hmm. What's the opposite of damsel? Dude, I think is the dude? way. Dude, okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. He was the dude in distress, and I thought that worked really well. Do you? Do you? Did well, you we're, like we're, him we're, we're better? Edging, we're edging up to the end of the movie. Yeah. Did you like him better in this or like as Captain Kirk? Because those are the only really two Chris Pine. I liked him better in this. Me too. He's I, better than Kirk. Yeah. 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 So. Uh, let's talk about the middle of the movie some more because that's the part I think we could have some good vibes about, right? <laughs> yeah, like, I feel th- that's when this movie hits 92. This movie came around... Th- this movie is also a product of its time, I think. It's a um, conspicuously uh, pro-feminist uh, superhero movie. And I mean that in the most positive possible way. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've had a lot of superhero movies over the last couple of years. And we talked with Mitch about superhero fatigue. And one way to address that fatigue is to make the movies do something they haven't done before. And then you might like, you may really like Black Widow, or you may really like some other character. But this is the first time we've seen an overt story where a a, a woman was the center of a superhero piece, mm-hmm. and well, that's that's hold on, yeah. that's overdue in movies because Absolutely. we've been doing that in TV shows for a long time. We've been doing that with Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Um, and I'm sure, I'm, I'm sure there's plenty of other situ- like uh, uh, movies like that. But this was the first or, or TV shows. But this is the first movie like that. Well, and and, and I mean the, the, the nice way they and we can spoil this because this is a yeah. Not that there's spoilers or but anyway, like like they they do it nicely because at the beginning when they're in London, it's all about how do we hide who she is. Yes. And then when they get to the trenches, it's when she decides like. Why am I hiding? And there, and and you you get to the the powerful scene, and even the linguistically powerful scene of mm-hmm. like no one can no no man can walk across this no is man's, no man's land. Yeah, and then it's like, but a woman can yes. walk across no man's. Mm-hmm. But that also starts to point to one of the weaknesses of the movie. So we'll come back to that. Um, but I also I also loved the cast of characters, like okay, because we've talked um, in other podcasts about liking getting the band together heist movies, mm-hmm. and this has that. I mean, you have not just Chris Pine, but I don't remember the other characters' names, but the chief. Yes, there was there were the three and there were the, the three other guys the, and the actor I can't remember his name yeah. and uh, the, the Irish, drunk guy. Irishman yeah. yeah yeah like but like I liked them I liked that okay. group you know and then that that was it it was so stereotypical of those three characters that it, that. It, was it was that okay with you? I'm fine. It's fine. It was. It came back around almost to being. Yeah, but that's fine. I, I those things work. Okay. Like the getting the people together and yeah, right. and they're all people who were marginalized from for one reason or another. You yes. Know? And so so in the same way that as a woman, she so like Chris Pine's the only one who's not a marginalized person, right? You know, and like but the rest of them are, mm-hmm. and like and they all. Sort of had their moment to kind of shine in that. So yes. So like I like that stuff works on me. That was, it looked cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I really really liked that. Yeah, her 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 marching across no man's land was really on the nose, but but worked because it hadn't been done before mm-hmm. in a movie like this. Yep. Yep. And so that's what made it fresh. Okay. But now we've talked about the first third. We've talked about the second third. How about the third third, Chris? <sighs> This is a problem. And this is where I, I, I turned to my wife during the movie. And she and I were both enjoying it up to that point, And she's not a big superhero movie person. And I said, here we go. And I said, here we go. Just about the point where she confronts um, uh, Ares mm-hmm. in, the, um, in the camp. Mm-hmm. Like, you, knew, you knew Zack Snyder was going to come out somewhere. And he came out in the last third. And he came out because once again we had to have uh, rock 'em sock 'em robots. Mm-hmm. I don't know what else to call it, but like every but it's Zach- gods punching gods. I mean, literally, it's gods punching yes. gods. Yeah. And I said it to her after this. The first time I the first time I saw this that it makes an impression upon me in a negative way is in the Matrix trilogy. Yes, it's a trilogy. We can't ignore the last two movies. It, when 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 uh, uh, Neo fights Agent Smith, and they're both max-powered. There's nobody else in the world but them. It's a million Agent Smiths with one avatar. It's one Neo, but he's got, you know, he sees the Matrix, and they're just slamming into each other, and the world, like, like reality ripples as they hit each other, and it's ridiculous if that happens in every movie, because every movie can't be two gods punching each other, but Zack Snyder seems to think that's the way it works. And this is kind of the problem with the end of uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 2 also. Absolutely. 
Uh, because once, and this is a problem, I think, for what they've done now in writing two Guardians of the Galaxy movies. I'll come back to Wonder Woman. But uh, in two Guardians of the Galaxy movies now, we've ended up with Star-Lord, Chris Pratt's character, finding out he's way more powerful than he thought. Which they had to somehow hit the reset button on at the beginning of the next movie. That he has to be kind of the kind of uh, lovable rogue who can't be, you know, the most powerful being in the galaxy. And he discovered he's a celestial now. He's kind of max powered. And now, we, and at the end of this, we have Wonder Woman discovering she's not just an Amazon. She's the God Slayer. And you've got Ares, who is literally a god. And they're punching each other across an airfield. It's it's borderline bad. Mm-hmm. Well, and the other thing it does is it takes... So we were just lauding the movie for the walk across no man's land. And then right. you get to the end, you're like, well, what were we so worried about? Yeah. And that's... I don't like that. Like, I... I it cheapens it if she's immortal. Yeah, the stakes are all gone. So, um, so this is an interesting one where I feel like... What is the meaning of this 92? Is it that it's 92% great? No. No, it's clearly, clearly not. It's that it, partially it's that the DC movies have been so bad that that this really was a correction to that. Mm-hmm. Like this was so much better. I know I'm I, to be honest with you, I haven't actually seen Batman v Superman. I, I couldn't bring myself to watch the Zack Snyder Superman movie. I couldn't. I mean, to the point like I watched those trailers and thought I I can't. And and um, this was this was really a, a, a good time at the movies. It was yeah. fun, but I feel like people wanted this to be. I feel like that some of the the discussion around it they 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 wanted to to think that that middle third of the movie was the whole movie, but the problem was it wasn't. Right. So it'll be interesting. Like, does this give you any more interest in Justice League? No. In another Wonder Woman? Yes. Movie. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, how do you feel about when and because Captain I didn't see the Captain America movie either. I, I did. Um, when they go back and, and sort of refight historical wars with a superhero, like. Mm-hmm. Is that not a problem? Because does that? I mean, they both both Wonder Woman and Captain America: The First Avenger, which is the first Captain America movie, follow a very similar way of dealing with history, which is they tie it loosely to historical events and then they hive it off and have it be its own thing. It's it's it's, it's almost a paper copy because in Captain America, the uh, Red Skull is kind of is a kind of a commander of a of a rogue science and research division of the Nazis. But then he decides pretty early on the Nazis are thinking too small. I want to rule the galaxy. And then it's not really about the Nazis anymore. It's about Red Skull. And in this one it was sort of this uh, rogue Nazi commander who wants to try to win the war and not sign the arm or I'm sorry not, not Nazis. Uh, but this rogue uh, World War 1 German commander who wants to uh, doesn't want to sign the armistice who wants to kind of win the war with using chemical weapons. And it becomes about him and not about Germany. Sure, sure. Yeah. So it's very similar in that way. But how do we have World War II then if Wonder Woman's around? Exactly. I mean, that, that, that's what I mean. Less about what's in the movie, more about, like, how do we get her to the present? Because, like, did World War II not happen? Did she just sit that one out? If there's Wonder Is Woman... Is she, like, Achilles on the ships? Or, I mean, what's... Right. If there's Wonder Woman 2 as a standalone movie, I don't want to see her fight the Nazis. Right? I think she would win. <laughs> I think I think you're right. Okay. Um... That doesn't sound appealing to me. All right, so that was uh, that was that was Wonder Woman. Yeah. Um, so you guys both got points on that for going over. Um, just running through a couple of these. Next up was the Tom Cruise movie, The Mummy. Yep. Um, which we didn't that- know what to do with. You you made the claim. That uh, we could be totally wrong about this, and Tom Cruise could win an Oscar for it. News update: I was saying that tongue in cheek. News yeah. update: He's not winning an Oscar. Um, so we just—I just put it at an even fifty. You guys both went under. Eric went over. He put this at sixty-five. He was real wrong. This was a sixteen, Chris. This was. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know if anybody saw this. Did this do well at the box office? Even? No, no, no one I, saw this. It looked bad when I finally saw trailers for it. Like, I just didn't. I I didn't know who this was for. It's, yeah. like, it's like, imagine the mummies with Brendan Fraser, and you said, you know what makes these sort of whimsical and kind of bouncy? Let's get rid of all of that. Right, right. Let's so, make it sort of dour. So that seemed like a big fail. Uh, Cars 3, um, I had a higher opinion of, I have a, I shouldn't say had, I have a higher opinion of Cars 1 than you do. Can I tell you something, though? What? Since that since that conversation in April, I went back and rewatched Cars 1. I was, I undersold it. Okay. It's a pretty solid central movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't love it as much as Toy Story. I don't love it as much as Monsters, Inc. I don't love it as much as The Incredibles. 
it's not bad. It's a good eighties movie though, done in yeah. done with cars. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. It, it's it's basically Doc Hollywood, right? Isn't that yeah. yeah, I mean it's yeah, yeah it works. Yeah. Um so Cars Three, I did did you see this? No, you didn't because we just no, talked uh-uh. about what we've seen. I actually am surprised I didn't, because my son <laughs> and daughter were both interested in it. Um I'm sure we'll see it on video. It got a sixty seven, so yeah. fresh but it's fresh. But but down from Cars One, which was an eighty one. You think Mitch is right? You think this is the last sequel they'll do? No. Okay. I think, yeah. I, um, much like I said with noses, I think they'll be done doing sequels until they're not. You know, like they'll yep. until something comes up. So I don't believe in any of those policies real hard. Uh, Transformers: The Last Night. Oof! I put this at twenty-five. I think the range for you said the lowest one so far was eighteen. Yeah, it was. They were between fifty-six and eighteen. So I put it at twenty-five. You boldly went over. Eric went over. Mitch smartly went under. This was our Mm. lowest movie of the summer so far. But but in my defense, it had to break the record for the worst Transformers movie to be the lowest movie. It was at fourteen. But were you surprised? (laughs) Yeah, a little bit. Really? I I thought. Okay. Have you seen any of these? I saw the first Transformers movie. That was probably the 56. Probably. Yeah. I saw one. So here, this, this is the pain of my life. So I've never <laughs> been to a drive-in movie theater before. Oh, they're fun. So we went. Okay, right? So cool. my wife and I went. We're, like, really excited. And this was the summer that uh, Super 8 came out. And, like, nice. I don't remember the trailers for Super 8. They looked super. It looked like an Amblin Spielberg kind of thing. Absolutely. Great. So, like, okay, we're going to go. How great. Drive-in movie. See Super 8. Problem is the drive-in is a, is a triple feature. Oh. And Super 8's the second movie. Okay. The first movie was Transformers Dark Side of the Moon or whatever that Ooh, was called. Yeah. So I had to sit through the entirety of that, and it was long and awful. Mm. And you know me, Chris. Am I a late night person? No. No, you're I'm not. an early morning person. So by the time. Su- and drive movies have to start late because it's got to be dark in the sure. summer. So by the time Super 8 came on, I fell asleep about 20 minutes in. I never oh. saw Super 8. And then we left before Green Lantern started. Ooh, you dodged a bullet there, <laughs> yeah, though. Yeah, so, like, so I, I, I stayed awake through all of that awful Transformers movie. That's why I knew I couldn't put this number low enough. Because wow. these are awful. Yeah. These are awful. Real bad. So. 14. Uh, yes. So, uh, so Mitch got the point on that one. Uh, next up was Despicable Me 3, which neither of us have seen No, my, ki- my kids and my wife saw it. Okay. What did yeah. they think? They loved it, but they're two, five, and a mom. So. All right. So I put this number at 65. Both you and Mitch went over. Eric went over at a 72, and the number was 61. So you were pretty close. Yeah, so it was fresh, but just barely, just right on the, uh, right. Right on the fresh line there. Um, next up is a movie that you saw, Spider-Man Homecoming. Yes. So I put this at 80. Have you seen this? I have not. Um, you went over, Mitch went under, I mm-hmm. think, with sort of Marvel fatigue. Yep. Eric went over at 88. This is currently sitting at 92. Now, these, this number could move because it's right. still relatively recent that it came out. So. Can I gush about this movie a Please little do. bit? I loved Spider-Man Homecoming for all the reasons I didn't think I would love it. I thought it would be kind of a Spider-Man-y centric follow-up to Captain America Civil War. I knew Tony Stark was going to be in it. I knew Robert Downey Jr. was going to be in it as Tony Stark. So I kind of thought it would be sort of a training montage video mm-hmm. of you know Spider-Man like gearing up to be part of the Avengers, to be in the Infinity Wars, that kind of thing. And there is a little bit of that to it. But what it really is, is it's a teen movie. In, if this movie was made in the 1980s, John Hughes directs this movie. Okay. And there are. Did some, they pull that vibe off? Yes. They pull that vibe off by not going too hard after it. Okay. So there's these nice moments of, of Spider Man, like clearly being a teenager. And Tom Holland is now easily my favorite Spider Man. Uh, he plays him as a teenager really well. He kind of captures what Spider Man really was in the comics, which is not this sort of conflicted emo. Uh, to- uh, uh, what's the Toby Maguire. Toby Maguire kind of thing? I said Topher Grace, but he was in one of the Spider Men's too. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the worst Spider Men. It's, it's it's not that kind of like conflicted twenty something. Like he's happy to be Spider Man. It's pretty cool to be a superhero, and is and it's it's funny. He's witty and quippy, but at the same time, he's kind of it's he's stuck in high school. Mm-hmm. And so I really liked it. There's some direct homages to some of those movies. There's a point at which. Uh, he's running through people's backyards trying to catch up to uh, some bad guys. And I'm like, this is just like Ferris Bueller's Day Off when he's running through the backyards. The cue to the next, the very next yard he runs through is someone watching Ferris Bueller's Day Off on the TV as oh, he's running funny. through. Like, like, they get the joke. Like, they're in on huh. the joke. Um, it's, there's plenty of CGI, but it, but it wasn't overwhelming. There isn't 
to the point, this huge God-punching God kind of battle at the end. Yes, he fights Michael Keaton, who finally gets to be Birdman. He's the vulture. Mm-hmm. That's his, that's his sure. character. But it felt like a blue-collar kind of thing. He's not trying to save the world. He's just trying to stop one bad guy from stealing some weapons. Okay. How heavy was the weight of uh, the Marvel ex- expanded universe, Marvel Cinematic Universe? Because my impression from what I've heard is Downey's in it, but not too much. Right. Downey probably spends 10 minutes on the screen. Okay. That's, I think that's probably a good thing. Yes. And there's no other big tie-ins. You don't see Samuel L. Jackson. He's not being recruited to be anything else. In fact, uh, Captain America's in this movie, but only in a series of promotional videos. Okay. So there's a very funny mo- a very funny laugh line, and I'm probably not giving any spoilers away here, where um, Peter Parker is in a gym class, and the gym teacher, who's played by... Uh, um, Always oh, comedian. I'll think of his name in a second here. Uh, but it says, well, I guess this guy's like a war criminal now. But I'm still supposed to show you these videos, and it's basically like a like a health and safety video from from Captain America. Hmm. And they keep replaying those. So that, like, he comes on a little bit. Like there's another scene where um, Captain America's re- Chris Evans is recording one of those, and then the stinger at the end. Like you wait through all the credits, it's a promotional video from Captain America saying, "Patience, it's a virtue." Sometimes you stick around for things, and they're not really worth it. Maybe you did that just today. It's very clear. Like, there's, right. no, there's nothing to see at the end. There's no bigger huh. Thanos does not appear. Sure. There's no Infinity Stones in this thing. See, I might like this. It's I'm, just a, it's a movie about queens. Huh. That, that, sounds, that sounds good. I loved, I loved Tom Holland in Civil War. Like, the, he was maybe I – mean, just, he just flashes in it, and that's about it. But he was maybe my favorite thing in it. So that You will like how this movie begins because the movie begins with that scene from his point of view. Interesting. Huh. Yeah. So uh, next movie up here, Chris, mm-hmm. uh, is the one that I just feel like I need to learn more. I need yeah. to learn more because yep. we made jokes about Planet of the Apes and how's Planet of the Apes. And, and I ask you, how could the second one be a, a rating of 91? And yeah. this one got a... 93. So I put it at These movies must be the godfather. <laughs> like, who... Do you know anybody who's into Planet Not of the Apes? Not a single Apes? person. They must be good. Like, they must be they good. They must be good. Yeah. Yeah. Like... I don't know. I don't. I couldn't even. Re- I mean, I've seen the Chuck Heston Planet of the Apes. I I, I don't even know what to like. I, I don't know anything wait, wait, about. Do you this. know Charlton Heston enough to say Chuck Heston? I do. Yeah. Okay. That, okay that's, you know. that's no, but but like that's I, I don't I don't know. Like, so I, I sort of feel like for homework I should go watch the three Planet of the Apes movies. I know this is weird. So I saw the Marky Mark Wahlberg. Uh, uh-huh. Planet of the Apes from 2001, and I was so put off by it that I skipped these entirely. But I think I gotta watch. This these. is how unaware I am. I was of these is that I presumed that was part of this trilogy, but like that's like a separate thing. Yeah, they killed it, and then they brought it back for this. I don't. I, I don't know. I mean, we're, I just want to say I, I apologize because clearly this was way better than we thought. You apologize to all the apes out there. Yeah, I'm Andy Circus, all of them. Andy Circus, everybody. Yep. All sure. right. Uh, next up, we have. Um, our last movie that we have a score for, and mm-hmm. I think there's more apologies coming. This is the movie Dunkirk, which I haven't seen yet. You haven't seen yet, but it's on uh, it's on my agenda this week. Um, I'm a big Christopher Nolan fan. I put mm-hmm. this at 90. Yes. Um, Mitchell smartly said over. He he actually made the case why he thought this was going to be the big movie of the summer, right. which it's maybe feeling like that might be where we're headed. I don't know. Yeah. Um, uh, Eric said 84. Chris mm-hmm. said, I'm a big Christopher Nolan fan. I love Inception. We went through all the movies he's made that exactly. are really great. And you said... Under. Under. Now, to be fair, I thought it, I, I thought it was going to be clearly under, but not a bomb. I thought if, if, if Eric had given me 84 instead of you giving me 90, I might have taken the over there. Somewhere around 80, 45 was right where I thought this was going to land. And apparently it's a good 10 points higher than that. Yeah. Uh, I have not seen Dunkirk. I've seen a couple trailers for it. I've, people I know and trust, and again, again, I'm susceptible to critics' opinions, have loved this. Um, our friend Chris Garrett said it's a different kind of movie than Saving Private Ryan. It's less about the visceral, visceral physical horror of war and more about the moral horror of war, mm-hmm. which is fascinating to me. And I'm just totally cribbing that from Garrett's. But this, this sounds... This, I mean, I... I apologize. Nolan, you have never been a bad project. Interstellar is dope. I can't wait to see what you're going to do next. For, for, as long as it's not a what if the South won the Civil War. For, for recompense, what you should do is um, 
go on to Netflix and watch his first movie. It's called Following. It's a very okay. small movie, but it's very Christopher Nolan-y. Okay. It's black and white. It, it almost feels like a student film. It's super cool. So okay. You should watch I will it. watch that as penance. I will not, however, listen to Hans Zimmer uh, soundtracks on 10 on uh, on the volume and pull my ears out with boom. No need to do boom. that. No. So um, so we have, there's four movies left that yes. haven't come out yet. So I just want to run through what those are. And I have, then I have a couple other uh, ancillary comments, too. Yep. And, and, and then I want to look at the movies we missed this summer. That's what I was going to go okay. for. Okay. Um, so the movies that are still coming up, August 11th, The Nut Job 2, I have yes. at 10. Chris said under. Mitch said over. Eric has this at 29. So you guys are split on that one. Yep. You're split on the Emoji movie, which I've seen an ad for now. Uh, I put it at 30. You went over. Mitchell went under. Eric has it at I think it's a mistake on my part. I'm, I'm regretting that over now. Uh, we have The Dark Tower, which we saw an ad for at lunch today. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I undersold this. I put it at 62. It feels like a 75, maybe even higher. See, I don't know now. The trailers are not impressing me. We'll see. Yeah, but my see, I'm susceptible to Idris Elba. Idris Elba is real good. I see Stringer Bell, he's, and it's like, real good. yeah, this could be good. So um, I also see Charles Minor because I'm a big Office fan more than I'm a Wire fan, so okay. I should say that. <laughs> um, so I put that at 62. You both went over. Eric has it at 86. Mm-hmm. Um, so the last movie then is this this John Gotti movie that I found. <laughs> I put it at 50. You went under. Chris or, uh, Mitchell went over. Eric put it at 42. Now, this is interesting because it, it, it has a limited premiere August 25th. Mm-hmm. But then it's wide releases in December. So I don't know if this is an Oscar bait movie. <laughs> I can't imagine. Like, I just can't imagine. But um, but that's that's kind of interesting. So what's nice is there's four movies left, and you and Mitch are split on three of them. Yep. So we're not going to have a tie. We can't have a tie on this yep. unless I hit a number on the nose. Right. Um, we're, so We're both at 62% accuracy right now. Mm-hmm. Eric Magson is at 54% accuracy, which means I'm better at setting lines than I thought. You're, or at least you're better than Eric. Sorry, Eric. That's right. <laughs> um, but, no, but that you two are both at 62. You guys didn't just, like, crush me on guessing over-unders. So that means I'm setting pretty well. True, yep. Um, yeah, so let's talk about what are the movies we missed this summer. I have some apologies to make, and I'd like to – I've already I've already apologized to the Planet of the Apes. Um, the whole I, planet. <laughs> the entire planet, the whole, all, all of them. Uh, I would like to apologize uh, to the, everyone involved with Baby Driver. Because we even made a joke we made, about we this. We made fun of it. I, so here's the thing. In my head, I confused Baby Driver with Boss, Boss Baby. Baby. <laughs> right. And I thought it was this movie about like a kid who drove a taxi. And no, it's apparently uh, the this year's car chase movie, uh, Du Jour. Yeah, I mean, it, it's the other nominee. So if, I would say Wonder Woman, Baby Driver, and Feels Like Dunkirk are the ones battling for movie of the summer mm-hmm. right now, would you say? Is there anything yes. else that you would... No, Spider Man has a high score, but I don't feel like that's no. got that that energy behind. I feel like Wonder Woman took the superhero energy. Absolutely, yep, for sure. Um, so yeah, so we 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 joked about that. We also made a glancing joke about Girls Trip, which is currently at eighty eight. So here's the thing, I, and I want to come back to the Wonder, Wonder Woman score now. And you you kind of created this idea that what you need is enough people who are willing to tip the scales in favor of a positive review. And if everybody does that enough, then you get a score like a 91 or 92. Mm-hmm. Girls Trip feels like that way to me, too. Mm-hmm. Girls Trip is basically the female version of The Hangover. Mm-hmm. And that's a movie with a, with a real low floor. It could be really, really, really bad. So when it's competent... All you need is enough critics to say, yeah, this is a C plus, B minus movie. And all of a sudden, it's got a net score right. of 88. But I included on there because we did dismiss it, and it's got a higher score than some of the other things that we talked about. So. See, this is why this is what my issue with the, with, with Rotten Tomatoes methodology a little bit. This is why I prefer something like a Metacritic that attempts to normalize all the scores and turn everybody's grade into a 1 through 100 score and then kind of aggregate them. So you kind of see the gestalt kind of feeling about a movie as opposed to just was it positive or negative. So how different are Metacritic and, and Rotten Tomatoes scores? Yeah, I haven't looked at that. Day. That'd be really interesting. I mean, because the truth is if they're similar, then then uh, Rotten Tomatoes is more elegant in a certain way because it's easier to be like this is. Yep. I mean, this tells us the same thing without all sure. the work. Um, sure. Another movie we mentioned, uh, glancingly, Mitch made a joke about how I didn't want to rate Captain Underpants, which has an 87, so So apparently well Captain Underpants is the next Godfather. I think so, yes. Uh, so, but, okay, so but clearly, I, people, you mentioned Andy Greenwald. He's not watching Captain Underpants. These are people who are watching lots of movies and are evaluating them relative to other movies of Well, to be genre. fair, Greenwald's not watching a lot of movies. Chris Ryan maybe there saw Captain Underpants. But there's people. these are people who are evaluating Captain Underpants in relation to The Nut Job, right? Right, right. Yeah. Okay. 
right. but still, I mean, that's a that's good good for them. Sure. Um, t- two movies that uh, we didn't mention that um, didn't fare so well this mm-hmm. summer. Uh, Boss Baby. I bring that up only because I've seen ads for that a bajillion times. Mm-hmm. This and is I, Alec Baldwin voicing a baby. Yeah, and I wish we would have put this on there because I feel like. I probably would have gone low on. I would have gone lower than fifty-two, probably, because it didn't feel good. The in terms of, I felt right. like maybe the funny parts were already in the ads. Um, how, how, what's the over/under number of diaper jokes in that? There's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Ten. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a, a movie that I found very interesting um, that I didn't, I wouldn't have known what it was back in April, but it's a movie that did really poorly. Although the cast is kind of great, mm-hmm. is the house. Yep. With Will Ferrell and Amy Poehler and a whole bunch of other people. Uh, in in sort of smaller do you, roles. Do you know the premise of this movie? Yes, I do. Yeah. Okay. This resonates with us as, as academics because you know we, uh, although we are on the receiving end of people's tuition checks, we do worry about you know the ballooning costs of higher education and the ability to preserve kind of what we do here. And this is a a family who's trying to raise money for their daughter to go to college, and the way they come up with doing that is not Breaking Bad style selling crystal meth, but instead turning their house into a casino, which apparently was really dumb or really yeah. bad. So, but the people involved make it like I probably would have gone higher just because the people involved seems like that should be a good movie. Um, I have a question about that. Yeah, what do you think? How do you? I don't know your answer to this. How do you feel about Will Ferrell? Uh, I think he's pretty funny. Yeah. Um, I did you listen to the Bill Simmons interview with Will Ferrell? Yes, earlier this summer. Mm-hmm. I found it interesting. I think some of his movies have a longer tail, where mm-hmm. where like you. When they first come out, they don't necessarily land well with people. But like, who knows that the house might have a even itself have a sort of cult following at some point. His okay. movies tend to go in that direction. Um, I, if I was long term investing, he's somebody I'd be okay investing in because I think, um, I think his sensibilities are better than say a Sandler. I mean, you could kind of compare. Oh, for sure. You could compare the tra- career trajectories in similar ways, though. Where like they SNL, right? Yep. Um, that they they launched that into successful movie careers um, mm-hmm. in comedies, and but were interested in doing some other things as well. Maybe um, I think his, if we're going back to noses or sensibilities, mm-hmm. I think his is pretty interesting. I think okay. he seems like an interesting guy. Um, but I'm also not like a Will Ferrell super fan. Like I haven't seen a lot of yeah. his movies. I haven't seen Anchorman two. I didn't see Anchorman right away. Like I, I eventually saw it. You know. You know. But yeah. but I think he's pretty funny. Can I throw a, a comp at you here, which you I want you to sure. disagree with in, in either direction? I think I think Will Ferrell's comp is Draymond Green. Okay, tell me. more. I think Will Ferrell is amazing as the fourth best person in a movie. I think Will Ferrell is extremely good as the third best person in a movie. I think so. It gets worse the higher he goes. I, I up think the I think he's I think he misses the playoffs when he's the best guy in a movie. And the house was was kind of a movie where built for Will Ferrell to be the best guy in the movie. Um, See he, the thing, Step Brothers. Like, my counter to that would be mm-hmm. Polar is pretty great. Yeah. So I, I yeah and 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 I mean it, I think that was a pretty big interesting cast too. So I don't know. Okay. So uh, you know I, I at the same time like I will say I don't care that much about like <laughs> I'm not invested in Will Ferrell's career or anything like that. Okay. So, um, the last movie that I want to talk about. Do you have any more you want to talk about? Um, I do. Did you want to talk about the Big Sick? Yeah. Tell me what you. I this is a movie you saw. I didn't. I'm kind of wishing I've seen it now. Tell right, me about so, the Big Sick. So it's at 98. percent I loved this movie. Um, it's it's a semi-autobiographical story of um, the relationship between Kumail Nanjiani and his wife Emily Gordon, mm-hmm. um, and and Kumail uh, was born in Pakistan, and um, his parents were were an arranged marriage, and they had plans for him to be in a, to him to enter into an arranged marriage here. And I mean, he grew up in America mostly, yep. uh, or, or for a chunk of his life. Um, and uh, Emily Gordon is not Muslim, is not Pakistani. She's white. Yes. Um, so it's about sort of wrestling with that, but then also wrestling with this medical condition that um, that, that she has, which is sort of at the center of the movie. And that doesn't give mm-hmm. anything away. I mean, mm-hmm. that probably is in the trailers they talk about. The movie's this. called The Big Sick. Right. <laughs> um, it is a very sweet movie, a very funny movie. Uh, it's one of those that kind of hit ticks a whole bunch of boxes. And sometimes when movies take a whole bunch of boxes, it means they're just barely doing it. But it's like, okay, well, we got a little bit of that. Like this was, this was like really kind of great. Hmm. Um, 
Emily's father is played by um, Ray Romano. Okay. His mother's played by Holly Hunter. So it's a small oh. movie with a phenomenal cast. Camille yep. Angiani is really funny in it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a couple other. Bo Burnham and um, A.D. Bryant are in it. Okay. Uh, kind of on the periphery. Because he plays himself as a comedian, right? Yes. Yeah. He plays himself as Kumail. Like, yeah. I, 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 again, I, it's pretty autobiographical. I know that the coma story is a real story. So okay. I don't know how much of that stuff um, is really, really real or how much of that is was created for the movie. But I think a lot of it is – I've heard him interviewed at length well before this movie. Any Oscar buzz? Um, I'm not sure that that happens a lot with, with summer movies. It's a pretty small movie. I, I, I would be surprised because okay. it's not the kind of thing I think that will stand up to um, kind of the heavy hitters. Like Gotti. Like Gotti. <laughs> right. No, I, I just it, – it's – I mean, it's really, really, really fantastic. If you, uh, it's not a movie you have to see in a theater. Although we just talked about how we love seeing movies in theaters, but this is the kind of movie that will show up on a in an Amazon or a Netflix or something like that, yeah. streaming somewhere. And like, it's really worth it. Okay. And I will say, uh, there were there were some moments when I I don't laugh out loud a lot in movies. There were sure, moments where either. Anne and I were laughing out like cause just and it's not that I mean the joke it was a funny joke and a funny moment. But it came at such a surprising moment that, like, mm. we couldn't control ourselves. It was pretty funny. So Nice. So I, I loved, loved it, loved it. It's, it's, I haven't seen Dunkirk yet, so it's my favorite movie this summer by far. Okay. Well, after you see Dunkirk, and I need to try and see that, too, because it seems like it's my kind of thing. But I, we got to talk about Harry Styles, too. Okay. I have zero Harry Styles opinion. I barely know who this is. He could okay. be he could be in the room with us, and I would know it was him because I know you're not Harry Styles. I don't I, think you are. I am not Harry Styles. Okay, and I'm not. So he's the other guy in the room. Okay, there we go. I what I kind of want to have a conversation at some point with you about stunt casting. Okay, and figure out if this is a stunt cast or not. So I'm, I'm interested in that. Hmm. So um, one other thing I want to mention and get your thoughts on this is a movie that I didn't know much about at the beginning of the summer. Kind of found out about at the early part of the summer, and now have which I kind of hadn't thought found out about is uh, Valerian. Mm-hmm. Um, or the full title, I believe, is Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets. That's way too unwieldy. This was sort of supposed to be kind of some original property. And kind of, to me, in my mind, I don't know if this is a fair comparison or not, but falls in line with some other kinds of attempts to roll out big ideas of new IP. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to ask you this question. So, a couple of years ago, I caught on HBO... Can we just say IP? Is that like something we can just say? Intellectual property. Okay. So, Spider-Man is a very known intellectual property piece. Right. Um, maybe one of the best known. You don't need to know much to know kind of the, what Spider-Man is. But a couple of years ago, I saw John Carter of Mars, mm-hmm. starring Taylor Kitsch, yep. on 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 home like, on 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 a random night on HBO. And I was at my grand, when I was at my uh, mother-in-law's house because she has. And you watched it. I watched it. You know what? It's really good. Was it? Yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, was it really good because you were expecting it to be awful? Or yes. Was it, okay. it was really good because I was expecting it to be awful. That's okay. exactly right. And so it got me thinking that like that should have been a fine movie, but it was a huge bomb at the box office. It's really hard to introduce new intellectual property in summer movies now, isn't it? Like Our bar is really low. Like, we have to have some familiarity with these characters to make them work. Well, we? this is why it's hard because okay. – like we just talked about a movie that has that is a completely new idea in the Big Sick, but what the Big Sick doesn't have is CGI and special effects and dragons and the cities and of a, a thousand and a, and planets. A yeah, a thousand planets. I have to figure out. Yeah, yeah. So it's like so the problem is if you're getting into an arms race with Marvel, with Star Wars, mm-hmm. with any of those things. Um, you're gonna lose because because the state the stakes are way too high. It's the 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 ent- the the cost of entry is so high to get into something yes. like that. Yep. Um, but that's kind of always been the case. I feel like with some of that stuff because because um, tell tell me a really good. Well, I mean, I'm sure they're out there. Yeah. But like, but it, it's 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 hard to find a really really great cheap sci-fi fantasy movie i would presume yeah sci-fi and cheap don't go together right that's what i'm saying so like but but now it's even more so because now those have moved from being 
niche genre things to like that's like what we make now that's mm-hmm. what a summer movie is yep for these you know tentpole franchise kind of things mm-hmm. so so now the arms now it's even an even bigger arms race because now right. it's not just enough to have the money to make that now you need the money to cast it with with big names and you need the money to market it and compete against all these other things that are in that same marketplace yep. where i think so i think the the key is if you're if because I'm I'm presuming from this conversation that you're interested in starting producing films. Yes, is that uh, you want to find intellectual property that that is that runs in an opposite direction from high concept sci-fi fantasy. Yep. Because so you got to find something that's affordable to make, and then I think there's plenty of room for that. To and then you just need to get find ways to get attention. Yeah. Okay. Can I can I pitch one to you? Then? Oh, you're going to pitch a movie right here. Yeah. yeah. All right. It's because 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 I'm trying to think what checks off these boxes. What is known intellectual property, which gives you that leg up? You don't have to introduce a thousand planets in a single city or whatever that Valerian was about. Mm-hmm. But it needs to be cheaper. So um, I'm going to go to a different Joss Whedon property. You know, everybody keeps talking about rebooting Firefly, and he did a Serenity movie, but that's in space and it's expensive mm-hmm. and it's a lot of CGI. And how about Buffy? What about Buffy though? Right. Buffy the Vampire Slayer is critically beloved, and I admit that it's super loved by academics for all kinds of theoretical reasons. Books have been written, articles have been written about Buffy the Vampire Slayer. But it's not expensive to reboot that. It's not expensive to have, I don't even know who you want for that. But you get, you know, the next Sarah Michelle Gellar and you put her in a movie. Mm -hmm. And um i think that works i mean watching spider-man homecoming and seeing like uh sort of the lightness of the high school atmosphere matter just as much to the character as the heaviness of like fighting crime at night like that reminded me of some of those buffy things so plus here's, got, well, here's but once you got wonder woman as this sort of female empowerment character buffy was doing that uh, 15 years or 20 years ago bring it back bring Here, it back to buffy here's here's the question um i don't need to have seen linda Linda Carter as as Wonder Woman is that right? Maybe no, John that? Carter actually. No, right. Linda. Um, I don't need to have seen her as Wonder Woman to watch the movie this summer. I don't need to have read Wonder Woman comic. I don't need any of that. Like, yeah. is there an, is there too much mythology around Buffy to to like make a movie that would that would make the Buffy fans happy and would also I've never seen the show and and I, I ain't going back and watching it to mm. watch a movie like. Like what are what are what are what is the goal here? I think it's perfect because I think much like there's a lot of mythology wrapped around the characters from Marvel, but because the story the way the stories have been told, it would be pretty easy to clear the chaff and to just say like this is a story we want to tell about this character and move it forward in time. I don't think you need But would the real fans like that? Or would they want it to be really rich and in depth in that? I think mythology? you can make it work. Okay. I think I could make it work. <laughs> I'm not gonna write this. I think I think it'd work though. I think you. I would work. say now. I've already said that it would be easy to get me to go to the movies. So uh-huh. like, if you asked me, I would yeah. go. Would you go see Buffy? Oh, yeah, I would go with you. But like on my own, I probably would. I, I, the, the, I don't. There is zero gravity pulling me towards that. Okay. But I'm also a weirdo. Like <laughs> I'm not. I'm not a target market for anyone at this right. point. So I'm out of 18 to 36. So I'm I'm done. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that's that's yeah. All right, well, as my shot, as my shot, at, like <laughs> knowable IP. Keep pitching, Chris. I, I'll keep working. Knowable IP. If you have an idea, uh, you can email us at live from ac second at gmail dot com. Why does it have to be? Why does it have to be known and knowable? I think they get, well. You talked about the sort of the Marvel uh, DC pro, uh, advantage, which is everybody knows who Superman is. Everybody knows who Batman is and Spider Man. But and, don't you think that the that 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 the the thing then that. The inefficiency would be to to be like, let's do something with no history. Instead. But then you get, then, then you're then you're in Valerian territory. Then you're then you're, yeah. But that maybe that just sucked though. Maybe it wasn't good. Huh, um, okay. Here's the question: Does the Matrix get made today? Uh, I'm not sure that it does. Well, not what it is. If what do you mean by does the Matrix get made? Because what the Matrix did is it pushed what was being done in filmmaking way forward. So you're telling me does a does a does an action movie without any intellectual property previous intellectual property that pushes forward like deeply is is highly stylized yep. and deeply pushes forward filmmaking but is still a cool action movie? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, but be- but 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 not but if it's the just the Matrix but it didn't exist and now it does no because we're what we're watching our children of the Matrix sure so we would you tell me would the parent of the future of 
action filmmaking be it made? Yeah, I think it would. Okay, all right. Um, and I, I think it might get made for it didn't, cheaper. It than, didn't get made this summer. There's no movie like no, that this no. summer. And and you know I think ultimately because we're in the middle of this whole comic book thing, it feels like well this is just where we're at. But if history teaches you anything, it's to take three steps back and say this too shall pass. You so you know, think like, there's an end to this comic book glut? Oh, yeah. Ten years ago, we weren't in this. In 2007, we weren't overrun with... Because when is the first Iron Man? Is it around then? 2007, yeah. yeah. Probably seven, eight. So, like, we're a decade into something. This is not This is not forever and forever. Okay. You know, and, uh, and it'll be that we get tired of it. It'll also be that something cool will happen. Or something terrible will happen. And we need mm. to respond to that in a kind of way. And, I mean, this is not... Um, yeah, I mean, there will be other cultures that. I mean, this is this is part of the um, the apex of the rise of nerd culture. But like, do you think that's just going to last forever? Because if you do, then we're foolish, like every other society and civilization who thought who reached the top and said, "Oh, well, now we're here and we're here forever." That doesn't happen. Fair point. You know, so I mean, and, write and, it out. And even in smaller ways than civilization. Um, we watch a whole lot less westerns than we used to. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we used to think there would always be westerns in the theater, and there's not always westerns now. I think there'll always be comic book movies, but the extent, the fewer, the extent to which we have a proliferation of them now will probably decline. Oh, sure, and 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 yeah, and there and there still are westerns, and there always will be westerns, mm-hmm. but they're they'll recede from you know until uh, somebody makes the Blood Meridian, and then I'm totally in. But wait, yeah, that's the thing. Like, somebody's going to eventually make a superhero movie that is a Cormac McCarthy superhero movie, and that or they'll just or they'll just make a Cormac McCarthy movie like the Blood Meridian and say. Why do we need superheroes? We have we have our IP is the Blood Meridian, yep. which I would actually be terrified to see, but would love it at the same time. Yeah, I don't know if I could watch that. You'd come to the if, okay. You asked me to go to your Buffy movie. If I walked up and knocked on your door and said, "Chris, I'm going to go watch the Blood Meridian," would you come with me? You wouldn't go. I would go with you. I would okay. go, I would go with you, and I would <laughs> right. I would sink down in my seat. And You'd see trees full of dead babies, and it would be it'd yeah. be bleak. Yeah, it'd be real bad. I'm a weirdo. I'm sorry. <laughs> this is taking a dark turn. Um, Sam, it's summertime. We gotta get outside. That's right. Enjoy the sunshine. I'm actually gonna go work in my office for like six hours. But Are you really? Yeah. I'm, I'm so gonna sorry. Some video. Okay. Um, thanks for listening to us. Uh, check in here. Uh, we will be back in the fall. Uh, we'll, we'll be back next week, but we'll be back in the fall too to talk a little bit more about uh, wrapping up the summer movie season. We'll bring uh, Dr. Crum in. Maybe we'll, maybe he'll have a baby on his shoulder. Who knows? But I'm now, be- and, oh. and I will say I've heard that since May that uh, nothing has happened in politics, but I have a feeling no, in the fall it'll pick back up, so we'll get the band back it's together. It's just been real that. quiet, so there's almost yeah. nothing to talk about. You know, I, I, We've actually gotten together in the room, and I hit record on the mic, and no one had anything to say, so we just didn't post I it. I had so much to say, but it's been like, it's vibrating inside. It's like <laughs> content's under pressure. All right. All right. On behalf of my friend Sam Mulberry, this has been Chris Morris saying, you've been listening to a podcast from Live from AC2nd. Go Royals. Go Royals.